Welcome back. Welcome to the Fig Cave. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm excited about this episode. I really am. And uh, we are here live in the Jimmy's Famous Seafood Studios for a special episode. I think we're 16 or 17 episodes in. I'm terrible keeping track of that. But uh, when when I started this podcast a couple months ago, I made a list of a handful of people that I needed to get on early. And our guest tonight is one of those people, Mr. Wrestling for Sale. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram if you don't already, Wrestling for Sale. Uh, He is a great follow, and he has single-handedly ignited the boom in vintage wrestling apparel and shirts. Uh, And we don't know too much about him. You know, he's he's mentioned on some of my favorite podcasts almost weekly. Uh, It's pretty anonymous on, on social media. It just kind of posts... Uh, shirts and, and things for sale, but uh, he has uh, really changed the game as far as people wanting vintage wrestling merch. It's never been hotter, uh, and you've also seen now WWE Shop has kind of latched on. A lot of other Instagram accounts have done some reproduction shirts, kind of trying to catch the uh, catch the wave of people spending that money on vintage stuff. I mean, people are buying vintage toys, might as well capitalize on vintage t-shirts and old wrestling stuff because uh that stuff is just as rare if not even more so so we'll, we'll get him on kind of get his backstory find out i want to talk to him about just what are like the mount rushmore of wrestling shirts maybe not his favorites but the shirts that are so iconic that anybody knows you know by looking at it whose shirt it is or, or when it's from and all that kind of stuff so and where this is going i mean is 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 this boom of a vintage wrestling apparel is this like going up and up and up is there going to be a burst to this bubble and um you know where does he see this going you know five ten years from now what shirts now on wwshop.com are going to be the, the four five hundred dollar shirts in you know ten years or, or is that even going to happen you know is it are they just so mass produced that that's not going to happen so pretty cool conversation i'm excited to get uh, him on the line here so let's give him a call and get uh, wrestling for sale on the line. All right, we have Ted from Wrestling for Sale on the line. Ted, thank you for joining us this evening from uh, the beautiful West Coast. How how are things on the West Coast? You know they're great. Um, it's a little dreary today, but you know I'm, I mean considering what I see in my stories from the rest of the country, I'm sure yeah. this is very pleasant. Yeah, dude. Um, complain. complain. You know, being in LA, it's always. It's always lovely compared to the rest of the country, I'm sure. Are you from out there or you just moved out there for work or what? No. So I, I grew up here. Um, I briefly left to go to culinary school oh, for wow. three years and I lived in Denver. But besides that, I've lived in LA my whole life. Oh, we got to talk about that, man. What, uh, what, uh, did you enjoy that or you just kind of like kind of faded off or culinary school? And, yeah, yeah. And... Did you not want to do that like yeah. as, as a, as a full-time thing? Well, yeah, I mean, I actually, I did it for about 15 years. So my, my mom owned a very successful restaurant in Los Angeles uh, for about 25 years. My dad's been in the wine business for about about 40 years. Um, I grew up in the restaurant world. So, you know, it only made sense that out of high school, I didn't really want to go to regular college right away. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to culinary school, give it a shot. And, you know, graduated did an additional year of uh, hotel restaurant management. Um, and I actually was um in the restaurant business for a while i owned a restaurant for two years um i was hired to be the executive chef of a restaurant group we opened five or six locations across the country and then at the time when i was doing that i was kind of exploring other options where i i also got my real estate license and i also started wrestling for sale so one point in my life i was going i was doing wrestling for sale. I was doing, um, I was running restaurants and I was doing commercial real estate. So my days were, you know, about 16 hours, wake up, just do it all, all at once. And it was, it was pretty crazy for about two years. God, the restaurant business alone. I mean, I did that from, that was my first job up until all through college, you know, just kind of uh, part-time here and there, whenever I was, you know, wanted to make money started as a dishwasher. But I mean, that's a demanding industry who, for anyone who's never worked, uh, especially in the back of the house, man. So I don't know how you you were able to juggle all that, but I'm sure, you know, as much as you enjoyed it, I'm sure it's probably much easier focusing on one thing now. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I actually don't even focus on one thing. I, I think I just got in this habit and it kind of goes further back to when I was getting my regular bachelor's degree. Um, I was going to Cal State Northridge in Los Angeles and I was working at night as a chef and I was studying to get my real estate license. So I've always been juggling a million things at once. And now the wrestling for sale as, as great as it is and as successful as it's become, it's not my day-to-day gig. I, I can't, I, I, choose not to disclose where I work, but I work for a large beverage company that's okay. national. Um, I oversee the Southwest territory for that. So I kind of juggle that at the same time I do wrestling for sale, you know, I'll take a break, I'll do a post, I'll take a break, I'll do a post. And then at night, you know, I try to fire off like three or four items, field, you know, offers all that. And yeah, a lot of juggling, but it's nice to have something that's stable and nice to have something that's a passion at the same time. So you don't get too stressed about is the passion project going to make me money this month? Yeah. And you also don't get burnt out on it too, because that's the last thing you want, especially with like doing a podcast. Like I want it to be the source of like my escape, the fun part. I don't want that to be like as fun as it would be to run wrestling for sale as your full-time job. Then it becomes like, you know, not not a chore, but it's like that's your that's your thing. Like it it's yes. it's, it's a tough balance, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, for sure. you guys can follow Ted on uh, all social media platforms. It's just wrestling the number four S A L E, and the website, which we'll get into a little bit later, is just wrestling for sale. Is the same as the uh, Instagram and the Twitter dot com. Uh, let let's get over with just the, we kind of covered the boring Wikipedia stuff of just your background, but I want to know like early Ted like. As a wrestling fan, did you collect shirts as a kid? And that is that what translated into kind of uh, the business now? Or w- w- what What was the like kind of inspiration for getting into this? Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this on other podcasts and other times I've been interviewed. I would not consider myself the most dedicated wrestling fan. There's always this mental thing with a lot of wrestling fans where everyone's out to prove that they're the biggest fan. And that's not my case at all. When I was four years old, the first wrestling match I ever saw was the main event Hogan Andre two on my fourth birthday. Mm. From there, I watched WrestleMania four and did not stop watching until about mid 1994. Any event that was in LA Vegas driving distance, I was there. I was a gigantic fan. And then by the time I was 11 years old, I kind of lost interest in the product. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Um, my parents were getting divorced. There were so many things going on. I didn't want it. I just didn't want to watch. And I didn't really even get back into it until my, you know, my dad took me to WrestleMania 12. And I also went to bash of the beach, uh, 95 with him prior to that. Mm. Um, but I wasn't really watching day to day. I wasn't, I didn't care. And in terms of like the merch that I had, you know, I had, I had all the generic stuff that most kids had. I had, I had like five or six Hogan shirts. I had five or six Andre sh- or sorry, uh, ultimate warrior and Randy Savage shirts. Um, I probably had a Jake, the snake, a lot of neon stuff. Um, I had tons of foam hands, which I actually unloaded last year. Um, had, I had every Hasbro. I didn't have like the, the really rare greenbacks or anything like that, but I had the standard, you know, series one through three. I had them all. I had most of the LJNs that were, you know, relatively accessible, but I didn't have anything that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got back into it um, right around, I'd say, like, King of the Ring 96. I really loved Steve Austin. Even prior to him winning the King of the Ring, I was just a big fan. When I was a kid, um, my v- like my video store that I would rent from, he had a pretty extensive collection of like early WCW and a lot of like 91, 92 stuff. So I was always like, like I, I love this guy, Steve Austin. And then when he kind of caught fire, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is cool. So then I got back into it. And yeah, I, I bought a little bit of merch. And I was also, you know, by the time I was like 14, 15, I was buying vintage clothing. And I was like, look, I'm buying this stuff now. I know what's going to happen in 15, 20 years. I'm just never going to sell it. So I just held on to all my NWO, Steve Austin, Attitude Era stuff. And that was kind of like the base, like the, the basic stuff that I sold out the gates for wrestling for sale mm. to get my hands on rarer stuff to start selling, you know, like 
really crazy items, but I had to start somewhere. I had to start with the generic stuff I had when I was a, when I was a teenager. Very interesting. Uh, when you started it, it, it definitely was not where the vintage wrestling, you know, clothing hobby is right now. Um, I'm sure you had a big part in that, whether you want to take credit for that or not. But we've seen it, and I'm a, as you can see behind me, I'm a huge wrestling figure collector. Um, th- that is kind of hotter than it's ever been before. What what do you attribute the boom? Because you post all all the time on your Instagram, like I show I sold this shirt for you know 150 bucks like two years ago. Now it's like 600 dollars, like with crying emojis. Um, when was this boom? Like, can you pinpoint when it was when you realized like, holy shit, people are like ready to drop money on these things and what what do you really attribute it to yeah you know i it's it's kind of like it, it's great that i started the page when i did let's say that i i started at a time when not a lot of people were really collecting shirts i'd say you know and and just like odd things in general it actually started as a group chat my friend boomer and carl who have nothing to do with wrestling merch at all. We were just a friend, friendly group chat. And we'd send each other stupid shit that we would find on eBay. All those items, I was like, there has to be a demand for this. Just people don't know that it exists. Like, they don't know that there's, like, goofy four horsemen foam hands from, like, 1985 out there. Otherwise, they'd be putting them up in, like, their man cave and all that. Yeah. So when I started the page, it was kind of like, a random thing and I was I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it was gonna get big or not because I frankly didn't know anyone else who collected. And I didn't follow any pages because frankly there wasn't any pages like mine that existed yet. So I, after a while, you know, I, I was posting and people were like, Do you buy collections? And I kind of just started to unload mine. And then I was like, look these things kind of went from just sitting around to selling pretty quickly. Like I have a feeling the more followers I get, the higher these prices are going to go. And then, you know, there, it it steadily went up for about four years. And then you kind of fast forward to 2020 when things just got injected with steroids and started going crazy. Um, It's a lot of things. I've had this conversation with several people. A lot of people are bored sitting at home and are staring at their phones Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of impulse buying. There's a lot of people who are making money right now and during the pandemic, you know, contrary to people's belief and they were spending, there was a lot of free money being handed out and they were spending. There's a lot of people who are looking at the dollar now and saying, I don't know if I have faith in this, I'm going to invest in other things. And we're seeing it with cryptocurrencies. Mm. We are seeing it with uh, properties, which are going crazy, especially in California. Um, In addition to a lot of other things that people might might necessarily invest in, like usually they would just hold their money, Mm -hmm. you know, or put in the stock market. But I think a lot of people lost faith in the stock market. And now it's an interesting thing. It's like, oh my God, like I see a shirt selling for $500 and it last year was 250. So I can easily see on a graph where this thing's going. So, so many people are investing in, in stuff like that, whether it's toys behind you or, you know, the clothes or anything wrestling related, it's a scarce good. It's tangible. It's fun. It's not a cryptocurrency. It's like a thing that you can wear or you can feel, or you can look at. And I think a lot of people have turned their attention in how they're spending their money and putting into things like that. Do you attribute any, I mean, obviously, you know, Rosenberg is wearing your shirts on, you know, WWE programming and on the radio and stuff like that. We see people like Drake and, and other folks wearing like wrestling shirts where, you know, are they wrestling fans or this is just kind of like a fashion thing. Do you think that's also kind of been a boom for, for business when, when you see people like that and, you know, Kylie Jenner, whoever it was, uh, wearing like an NWO shirt. That's got to be big for when you see shit like that. Like, it's probably like, oh, my God, that's that's going to help numbers. Yeah. You know, a lot of people um, who were selling vintage wrestling stuff at the time were upset about the celebrities wearing it. And I, I kind of take it back to that thing I was talking about with wrestling fans always feeling the need to be the biggest fan. There are people who have fun memories of watching wrestling 
who maybe didn't read the dirt sheets every week or, or watch every pay-per-view or anything like that. They just casually watch and they're entitled to wear that. Mm. You know, and guess what? Back to Kylie Jenner and, and any Kardashian or whoever is wearing a wrestling shirt these days, the NWO logo is a cool logo. Hell yeah. If, if you think that people are just, you know, like you'll see a random person, uh, you know, wear a Rolling Stones tongue shirt and they've never heard the album 12 by five. They don't, they don't know what the hell Exile on Main Street is, okay? But they like the logo. Grateful Dead people, it's everywhere now. The the bear and all the Grateful Dead stuff is so trendy. If I ask them what their favorite show is from the 70s, no one has an answer, okay? It's just a cool logo, and they're entitled to wear it. It's all good. It does amazing things for the market, obviously, because there is a crowd of people who don't really care necessarily about current product or past product or anything. They have this vintage item, a celebrity wears it, it's gonna go up. I saw how you could you could say it's Drake that that was a big part of the reason why Razor Ramon uh, all over Prince went for a lot of money. Um, you know, that any anytime a celebrity wears anything, if pe- people are gonna talk shit about it all day long, but frankly, that is what drives the market to like the masses. Yeah, I mean that's what people, you know, in in freaking Omaha, Nebraska, when they see that, I mean that's you know, that's where they get their you know pop culture references from on right. on Instagram and you know different magazines and sh- shit like that. So I, I can totally see that. I mean, it makes sense. What anything else that you collect? Like I'm sure your shirt collection you've posted it several times is amazing. But do you collect anything else? Like you know, not even yeah, non wrestling. Like actually, I'll plug one funny thing. Um, I have a, a collection page called Personal Collection, not for sale, the number four. Um, and I post all of my vintage stuff that I own. I, I collect everything from, you know, music tees to, you know, movie stuff and tons of wrestling and sports. I'm a big L.A. sports fan. Um, I also collect, um, which I've actually I slowed down in the past few years because it's gotten expensive, but I have a big vinyl record collection. Mm. Um, I, you know, I don't know how i have room for it but i i have it and it's great um i i started getting into collecting uh, photography recently um really just like iconic images um from you know musicians of the 70s i have a, an iconic mick rock um david bowie image i have a lou reed by mick rock um and i'm trying to kind of branch out into that because i do like filling the walls with nice stuff um, not necessarily just fill the drawers with nice stuff. Very cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's a slippery slope when you start collecting, especially like how deep you are into shirts. It's like you just you know you kind of like branch off into it's like a gateway drug almost. Um, when when you're real quick, what's that? Real quick, yeah. Real back to the back to the celebrity thing. Yeah. With so with Peter Rosenberg, I I think I should explain something. One. Peter's a very good friend. I've known Peter way before the boom. Okay. And I think what gets lost now that you seems like everyone is wearing vintage wrestling shirts is when they were not very cool. He was probably the most famous person wearing them mm-hmm. out in public and wearing them to concerts or places where he's photographed. And this is like 2012, 2013, you know, him and I have talked, we, we both have been collecting since like 2005 or earlier, but it didn't really get attention the way it does now, but he was intermingling with all these people who went on to wear this stuff, you know, like action Bronson's of the world and other rappers that see him. So he does, I don't think he gets enough credit for the spread of this thing. No, I I agree. I, that's why I brought his name up because he's a guy I've followed for a long time. I've been listening to his podcast from the beginning, and and he's always been you know spoke highly of you. So I you know I could tell that you guys had a, a good personal relationship, and uh, he gets a lot of hate from people, but I I don't feel like he. I mean, if you followed him long enough, like you said, I mean he's been on stuff before before it was cool. You know, like um, I I remember you know I bought a Baltimore Arena King of the Ring shirt from you. And, you know, I thought I was paying a lot. I was like a hundred bucks and I'm sure that shirt now would probably goes 
for a pretty a pretty penny and I love yeah. I love that shirt. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean I just you know, I yeah, I wanted to give him props because he's a guy I really respect. I, I think he's uh kind of ahead of his time in a lot of things and uh I just I just enjoy him as a you know, a personality. I could I could listen to him talk sports on WWE on his podcast. It's just, you know, it seems like he's a and good he's thing, a good Maryland boy, so I can, I got to love that. Yeah. And a, something to definitely keep in mind is if you hit any level of success, there's going to be a ton of hate. Oh god, I'm sure you I'm sure you see it in your comments all the time and you don't do anything. Oh. <laughs> You're just I can't I can't do anything right. Yeah. Exactly. There's no opinions, there's nothing. It's just a shirt. Yeah. He has he has basically done what all of us basically strive to do, which exactly. is become famous for talking about wrestling, talking about rap, talking about sports and stuff. He's passionate about, him. I mean, he, you can tell he's, he was, he's not one of these guys that's coming on, like, you know, just hired off of ESPN to, to be talking wrestling, you know, by Vince McMahon. He, he's a lifelong wrestling fan. And that's like you said, that's what any, anybody watching would love to do. Like get paid to just talk about wrestling shit. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I'm sure you see it. The more popular you get, the more hate you get, and people uh, jealousy or whatever. It's you know that we could do a whole other freaking episode on that, but I don't I don't want to talk about that. Um, yeah. give, give, put together a pie chart of of where you get your your stuff from that you sell. I mean, are you are people coming to you with collections? Are you scouring eBay? You don't have to give us all your secrets in in different places that you go, but. Break, break. No, I mean I can I can actually be pretty open about that. There was a time when I was pretty heavily on eBay, Etsy, Depop, uh, Mercari, everything, just kind of scouring nonstop. And it kind of got to the point where I couldn't I couldn't really do that anymore because so many people caught on. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's like when it's like when the the click did the curtain call. It's like we we got a little look behind the curtain and saw the sausage was made. And now that there's a thousand, I, I, am I exaggerating? I think a thousand wrestling merchandise pages out there. All those eyes are constantly on these apps. What I have that's a little different from everyone else is I'm very fortunate to have this network of people that will message me directly, say, Hey, I'm moving. Do you want to buy 20 shirts? Hmm. Sure. Um, I'm very fortunate to have people who are associated with WWE, used to be associated with WWE, um, current talent in Ring of Honor, uh, AEW, whatever it is. They're all connected. They all have friends. They all send it to me. They're not sending it to one of the other pages. I'm getting first dibs on all of it. Mm. And that's really what sets me apart and why I'm so fortunate. I'm very, very, very lucky to have started when I started, got the following I got. And, you know, plain and simple, I've never screwed anyone over. If a shirt has an issue, I, I make it right, right away. Um, I don't take advantage. And because of that, a lot of these people trust me and they'll put me in touch with the old timers who have no clue what's going on with the vintage wrestling market. And I give it to them straight. Awesome. You're, I mean, I don't. Do you? Are you friends with Zombie Sailor at all? Do Not friends. Know? I follow. Okay. I mean, you guys. I had him on the podcast about a month ago. You guys have very similar stories and very similar outlooks on stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Um. So you're. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And now that everyone can get it, it's the gold rush. People know where to go, and, and the prices go super high. You get a lot of stuff that's not even vintage like that's what pisses me off when i go on ebay now it's like you know i'll click on a shirt and then it'll have like okay what size do you want and you know, obviously they don't have yeah. a sh a, every freaking size they're just reproducing it what do you what are your thoughts on some of these other instagram pages i don't want to bring up any names because i've bought from some of them and some of them are pretty cool um they're not trying to be vintage shirts they're just reproducing uh, uh an event or something or making their own kind of artistic take on stuff does that help you i feel like that would help you a little bit i don't think it's the same lane that you're in but what are you, what's your thoughts on those folks um you know i i'm a big fan of quite a few of them i i didn't really i i had nothing against them i just didn't want to buy anything when i was just starting wrestling for sale because the goal was to unload all the shit and not buy more stuff and you know I'm not saying that this stuff won't be worth money one day. I think there very well could be a market for 
newer stuff that's made now. Um, but I, I never really took it seriously until my buddies who did a pop up with me in 2018, Dad's wrestling shirts. Yeah. Do you follow them? Yeah, they're great. Yeah. So they make very funny shirts. They made the um, fake razor shirt. Did they do that Harlem Heat one? Did they do a Harlem Heat one once? I don't know. But they've, they've done very funny shirts. Yeah. And that's kind of when I was like, oh, these there's people really doing some clever stuff out there. Um, and then, you know, just people who are, who are doing like incredible graphic design. Like I just started following all these pages. Um, I've become, you know, very close with uh, the artist formerly known as Lapelia and now owns Slingshot House. Um, he makes incredible stuff. And I, I love supporting the community. I think that I think that a lot of this stuff will be worth money one day. Um, I just try to not buy so much because it just takes up so much space and it's not going to double in value like the other stuff that I buy. Yeah, the return on the investment is going to take, you're going to have to sit on it for a long time. And I don't, sure. don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't, I, all these things, like it'll eventually pop up on eBay. And, you know, yeah. if it goes to 45, 50 bucks, I'll pay it because I had that much more space in my drawer. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have a holy grail that you you've kind of posted about some on an Instagram that you have never been able to buy, find or buy or is that kind of gone by the wayside? Yeah, now? so um, so I have three um, annoying story, stories behind all of them. Oh. Um, to be very transparent, well, let's go through the list. One of them is the 1997 um, Nation of Domination shirt. Um, has a black fist. Um, it's, it's just, it's like a political thing and it's a wrestling shirt and I've always loved it. Um, I love the early nation. I don't like the rock, but I love the early nation and it's just an incredible shirt. Um, I actually had it in my, um, in my eBay checkout thing. And I ended up second guessing myself and sending it to Peter to buy because I was currently doing a pop-up, going through a move. Um, did I, I just got a new car, all these things. And f- like, I never do this, but I was like, I don't, I, I just should not buy this. I don't have the money right now. Uh, and I sent it to him. And that was like three years ago. And literally like a, like three days later when I was fine, I was like, why the fuck did I do that? Yeah, I've done that before. And then have you seen it for sale anywhere since? I have not seen it since. Oh and I, I don't think I'm going to see it for a long time. Yeah, And then... The other one is is very hard to find, but very like, you know, it, it's a very cool item. It's the 1986 um, machine shirt. Oh, um, yeah. I love I love watching that feud between uh, the machines um, and uh, Big John Stud and Bundy. Oh. I always thought that was that's just such a funny thing to watch. Um, so I, I, I need that shirt really badly. It's, it's Andre the giant with the mask on. And, uh, the other one is the York foundation shirt. When I was a kid, I, I love that faction. I thought it was so funny. The music is so funny. Um, red rooster is the computerized man of the 1990s is so funny. Like everything about it is just a 10. It's yeah. the best looking shirt. There's so many things about it. It's like tucked away in the 1990 WCW catalog. Um, so that those three is really all I'm looking for. I have everything else. Like I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, you know, again, back to the network, it, it really is about building the network. Whenever I post these things, a lot of these people message me like, Hey, you know, I'm, I actually have that. And I throw out a big number or like trade them like four or five shirts. And I, and I end up getting the items. Yeah. These three are very tough. These are, these give me help. Well, well, if I ever come across any of them, they're yours because I have no, I don't have the emotional attachment that you do to, to them. So uh, I don't know how I would find them, but uh, I always hope, like you know, going to a random yard sale on a Sunday with a cup of coffee, I'm, I'm gonna stumble across a box of some some kids like old wrestling shirts and just make a bunch of money. But um, what do you think about WWE Shop now? Like getting into more of Legends stuff and doing like they did that all over remake of the the Razor shirt. Uh, does that bother you? Is that kind of like, I, I still don't think they've, you know, not, not to take any business away from you, but I feel like there's 
a huge market that WWE could just remake a bunch of their famous. I don't know if it's the designers have to approve it from whoever made them back in the eighties and nineties or, or how that works. I'm not going to pretend like I do know, but, um, how do you, how do you feel about them kind of getting more into the retro side of things with, uh, the, the popularity going up? I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, I look from a collecting standpoint, I don't, I, I don't think that those shirts are ever going to be worth anything. I think that, I think if you want to wear it, you know, not everyone wants to spend seven, $800 on a razor room on all over print. They can just settle for the one that's on WWE shop. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, there are stuff that is coming out in WWE shop that I think is going to be worth a lot of money. And people are kind of sleeping on these things. That was my next question, but, uh, and I, yeah. So I guess back to what you were saying, I, you know, I, I think as long as it's done tastefully, I really like it. Um, I like a lot of chalkline stuff, um, is, especially this new um, Macho Man Randy Savage uh, sequence jacket that they put out. It's so clever and such a risk, and you will never, you you will very rarely see a company go after the male audience with a full sequence jacket. It's a big risk to take, especially in the wrestling community. And they yeah. did it and people are buying it. And the Macho King jacket that they put out with the full sequence is the best looking jacket I've seen in a very, very long time. So if it's done tastefully, I love it. Yeah, I could see that being worth a quite a bit because it's, you know, it's very, you know, it's unlike anything else that you're going to see out there. And I don't know if I would ever. No one's liking that. What's that? No one's gonna boot like that. No, no one can. No, the the price of it would be insane to yeah. boot like it. Um, let, let's go back to what you brought up uh, on WWE Shop, because I always wonder about this. Is this like you know baseball cards back in the day were worth so much, and now they just make a lot of them, so they're not worth anything? That's just my mentality. But on WWE Shop, if you you know were were me and wanted to sit on you know five shirts that are on there now. W- what are you basing that off of and what shirts do you think are going to be worth something and why is it because they're you know the roman reigns of the world or they just be you know a one-off shirt of someone who's you know going to be hard to find like like the york foundation i mean scarcity is always going to determine a lot but you know also demand you know so yeah i i personally think the safest bets and the ones that I bought were I I focus on getting the really cool Bray Wyatt stuff. Yeah, I think that he is like Undertaker in a sense that he's going to be a cult crossover hero in the horror and wrestling communities, and is always going to be in demand. When I, however this thing wraps up, however the gimmick wraps up, and if he moves on to something else, this whole thing that he's doing right now, all this stuff I think is going to be in demand for a long time. I think all the bad, all the bad bunny stuff is going to be worth a lot of money, especially now that he proved that he can actually work. I think that any early Bianca Belair stuff with her face on it is going to be worth a lot of money. Why? Why so with her face? Just because they don't make yeah, their shirts that often. That's kind of like NXT, a throwback style. Generic NXT shirts that just say their names. They're a dime a dozen. Yeah, yeah. I have a Shinsuke Nakamura. It's just his name, and I, I look back on it. And I'm like, why did I buy that? Yeah. But the the ones with her face and they're like glittery, there's substance to it. And, you know, she's proving now, I mean, at least when I watched WrestleMania this year, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a turning point moment. And I haven't really felt that in a WrestleMania main event since Steve Austin versus HBK. Wow. Where it's like a big changing of the guard kind of thing. And they kind of put arguably the top person from the last like three or four years up against this pretty much unproven talent should not be in a main event yet and blows everyone away. And it's just like, wow. So that's where we're going with the future. I think that she's a pretty safe bet um, on all her early stuff. I think we'll be worth money one day. I've been buying or I had in the last year or two, some of those, the NXT like takeover revolution shirts that have, it's almost like a, a post, like a match poster that has all the fate. Like it'll have, you know, Sasha on one side, the, you know, Charlotte on the other Finn Balor and versus Sami Zayn or whatever. Those, is those something that you think, you know, as those guys 
you know, become bigger stars on the main roster. Is, are those shirts going to be something that's potentially worth money down the line? Um, I think eventually for sure. Um, I think that it just takes time. Yeah. I, I know that all the special events eventually are worth money. The most modern one I can think of is the Money Money in the Bank 2011 shirts. They're worth a lot of money already, and I think they're going to keep going up and up and up and up. There was such an emotional attachment for a lot of fans with the, the like prime, you know, like first incarnation of Finn Balor and NXT Shinsuke Nakamura era. Those those takeovers were so good, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people will want those shirts because they, they're rare. They're, they're doing them in, you know, smaller arenas. They weren't really selling them on WWE shop mm-hmm. for very long. And, you know, I don't think they sold well. So I think when people start to look back on the era and they have like all this talent on one shirt, it's such a great thing to own. It's like owning a Royal rumble shirt from 1992 with all the talent on it. Tell me like if I were to buy a shirt, you know, I'm a double X, I'm a big boy. What what size do you most likely get people looking for? And if I were to buy, if I were to go on and get some of these Bray Wyatt shirts to just stock, wrap up, and put away, are we talking large, extra large? What's the what's the preferred size from collectors? I mean, I know wrestling fans tend to be on the larger size, but yeah, I mean, I think XL is always a safe bet. It's yeah. crazy because, like, I mean, eighty size. Like, if you look at eighties XLs, yeah, that's yeah. like. I can barely fit in an eighties XL, you know, like they're tight Yeah. and you could say, I don't know what it is. Maybe they've been washed a million times. Maybe it's just like the cocaine era and everyone's <laughs> thinner or whatever it is. It's just, yeah. the 80s stuff is so thin. I think, you know, XL is always a safe bet there. It really comes down to whatever someone's willing to pay for that specific item. And, you know, you never know what size they're going to be. Gotcha. I always think XL is the safest bet. Okay. That makes sense. That's what I was thinking. Um, I know you're kind of pressed on time, so I got a couple more questions here with Ted. Ted from Wrestling for Sale. Uh, check out the website, wrestling4sale.com. Uh, you have a spot on there where people can buy stuff and sell stuff. How how does that work? Is that something that's been helpful for you? Yeah, so it's, it's like any um, marketplace site like Etsy or Depop where you just sign up and you can, you know, sell your stuff. Um, there's also, you know, I think – Today we hit the three thousandth sign up on the site. So at any point, any of those three thousand people can sell their stuff. Like I have a, a buddy, Brian Reynolds, who he specializes in cards, and he put up four shirts today. You know, people are like just looking to unload. They put up four or five shirts. Um, there's a lot of toys that are hitting recently, which is cool. I, I I built this thing and spent two years trying to get this thing right so that people could sell everything, not just vintage wrestling shirts. It was supposed to be all used wrestling or all memorabilia related to wrestling. I love it because, yeah, I mean, eBay has become, you know, people overbidding on stuff, you know, fraudulent things, people not sending you things, having to pay the fees on eBay. So, I mean, it's definitely a spot where I'm checking it out now. I haven't been on here for a while, but you have a ton of cool stuff magazines, all kinds of stuff. So it's wrestlingforsale.com. Um, let's, I wanted to do this with you, and it's probably not something that you're super interested in because these are these are probably the, not the things that you want to sell, but kind of the Mount Rushmore of the most influential wrestling shirts. And I'm thinking of you know, probably the Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania shirt is one of them. Give me, give me those. When, when you think of wrestling shirts, and maybe these are not the ones that, that are most demand from people buying from you. They're probably more you know, reproduced and stuff like that. But give me a two or three off the top of your head that, you know, we talked about the NWO shirt. I mean, that has to be on there, right? Yeah, I think there's four that are like big standouts and they've been replicated a thousand times over by WWE shop. And it's, you know, the NWO black and white logo, the red and yellow Hulkamania logo, um, the Austin 316, obviously, and then the Macho Man with the, the purple with the black sunglasses. Those Those are the four that, you know, you look, you watch wrestling in any era. Like if you watch in 1998, you'll see people wearing that stuff. And the Hogan stuff was already dated, and people are still wearing it in the crowd. The yeah. Macho Man stuff dated; they're wearing it in the crowd. Those those are four iconic shirts that'll never go anywhere. Yeah, 
it's like the the people at like a, a Ravens game that are wearing like a a Yankee shirt or something. It's just like you know they're they're just you know that's like the shirt that they have. They're a sports fan. They like one team, but they're you know they're just wearing it. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see the hobby going? Like, do you see this continuing to go up and up? Do you think you know? I, I would assume so. As stuff gets more and more scarce, uh, the prices are just going to increase. Uh, do you agree? Yeah. You know, what I'm starting to see now is a lot of stuff is flattening out. Like a lot of 80s stuff, the kids just don't get it. Like it's just not for them. They're mid 90s kids, early 2000s. That's kind of their lane. That's what they want. The 80s people, it's like, I don't know, maybe there's going to be a resurgence. There could be something that happens because of the young rock show or certain nostalgia towards the eighties mm-hmm. could come back, but you know, like now it's kind of flattening out. You're starting to see like a lot of the, I, I don't want to call them rare, like all over prints are not rare. There's a few that are, but for the most part, they're pretty easy to find. And they're, they were sold like in massive numbers. I think the razor Ramon all over print was in catalogs for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, the HBK all over print, Brad Hart all over print. They're going for a lot of money because the demand is very high. But I don't see it continuing for much longer because as long as everyone gets their their shirt, the demand won't be there. You know, and I think there's there are safe bets. There's this weird thing where I was talking about where the 80s kind of flatten out and all over prints are going up. There's a tier way above that that's the very rare 80s xls so when you start talking about like the macho man or not macho man sorry about that um ravishing rick rude 89 with the pink lips when you start talking about the mr perfect navy blue script shirt Mm. those are the shirts that go for if they hit the market probably three thousand or more and those are those are like the highest tier um 80s XLs, that's a different ballgame. Those are for like this heavy, heavy duty collectors. Um, and they're willing to pay it and they need them in their collection. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of the, you know, all over prints and louder shirts and tie dyes and things like that, they're fun, but the, you know, it's it's what's trending in fashion right now. So yeah. who knows in the whole the the 80s heels will always be the safest bet if you can find an XL. I thought of a quick question what the, the folks that buy from you it, in general do they wear the shirts do they and if they don't how do they display them i mean do they just keep them folded like kind of like they would like collecting sneakers or i think everyone's different you know and, and yeah. even the way they store them i mean i know people who only hang their clothes and they only have to be hung on a certain hanger and they only want nines and tens out of, out of you know how clean they are and then there's people like me who just like vintagey looking shirts. Like I don't care if it has a tiny hole or yeah. slight discoloration or anything like. If it fits, it fits, and then I'm I'm happy. And I store it in my drawers. I don't display it. But I do know people who they have like frames that are in the shape of shirts, and they like frame shirts. And it's, I mean, it's great. Like they want to do that. It's kind of smart because, you know, you're it is an item in many cases that's over a thousand dollars so why not display it yeah i mean it's the same thing with wrestling collecting i mean you have people that rip everything out of the boxes i i, I don't yeah. do that i keep everything in the box um and it's you know each each way is to, to each their own you know it's kind of it's your collection you do whatever you want with it so. yeah exactly um one final question ted before we get you out of here man we ask everybody that comes on the show this as a as a culinary grad i'm excited to hear your answer here if you were on death row, you had one final meal. You could eat whatever you wanted, drink whatever you wanted. What what would it be? In and out, hundred percent. Wow, great answer. Yeah, the, it's like when I it it really disgusts me when I when I see people say bad things about In and Out on online. I've seen more and more lately, and I, I've I've had it a handful of times when I've gone out to Vegas, and you know I I have five guys out here, I have all the staples out here. I, I loved it. I have nothing bad to say about it. I And I thought, you know, it's super hyped. We don't get it out here on the East Coast. And I've heard, you know, so many magical things. And I thought it lived up to the hype. And I, lately in the last year or so, I've I've seen a lot of people shitting. I don't know if it just became too cool to, to like it yeah. or what. I think it's I think it's a trendy thing. You know, it's like 
it's like shitting on the Beatles or something. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. congratulations. You have, you, you have an opinion. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. and out, in and out. I don't think people can truly understand it unless you're from Southern California. It's everything about the culture, especially when California was thriving in the fifties and you had this car culture and had cheeseburger culture and you had the fresh vegetables, which a lot of places can't get. And everything's from a farm. That's like California. It's like, it's everything about a great cheap burger that you want. Mm-hmm. I will a say- lot of, go ahead. Go a ahead. lot of, who a lot of the people who talk bad about it they're like it's not spicy enough or it's not the, it's like that's not what it is it's just a, it's a straightforward california style cheeseburger and it is the best thing you can possibly eat especially for under 10 bucks are we talking milkshake what are, what are you drinking no 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 i don't i it's too much with the milkshake yeah, i yeah so i get um pickle lettuce spread only I usually get a three by two, which is three three meats, two cheese, because they do a double stack American cheese. You don't need, yeah. you know, six slices. On. Yeah. So, yeah, I usually get that, um, and just an iced tea. I think I try to make it. I try to not take away from the burger in any way. So I get the most plain drink. I get the you know I don't get a milkshake. Plus, I've the last few times I've had a milkshake, maybe because of my age, I just have not felt well after had the milkshake. I got you. I hear you. Um, I will say this, my, my sister lived down in LA for two or three years, went out and visited her with my wife and I assumed everyone was going to be a douchebag in LA. You hear so many horror stories. She worked, my sister worked at a vegan restaurant. I was, you know, dreading it. I don't, I, the people there could not have been nicer. I, it was probably one of the best trips I've ever had. The weather was great and everyone, you know, everywhere we went was, was, you know, no one was like this rude pompous like you see in all the 80s movies like yeah. la is just like full of like you know maybe because we didn't go to i don't know whatever that street is where all the freaking where the kardashian shop but uh i mean everywhere we went was just great dodger game we went you know all of yeah. my sister took us to all like kind of the trendier spots of like locals and and everybody everyone was awesome so anybody who's like hesitating if, if wrestlemania goes out there again i would definitely you know over over uh, over a Dallas or something like that, I would definitely go out to LA again. It was a great time. I think I think the thing with LA is the people, the transplants who move here that are disgruntled that they aren't making it in the entertainment business and this and that, give it the negative energy. Mm-hmm. People who are from LA and kind of watch these people come and go. Yeah. They're just regular people like you'd have in any other city. Yeah, and luckily I'm one of them. Ted, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's wrestling for sale. Uh, people, people should know about you by now, but if not, now they do. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, I, I spoke about it before I, I pulled you up on the on the Zoom, but uh, I had a list of about four or five people before I started the podcast a couple months ago, and you were one of the people I wanted to talk to. Uh, and I know you're a busy guy, but thanks for making some time for me this evening, man. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was great. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me hey I, the kids asleep the wife is uh watching terrible tv so i got nothing but time man so th- thank you so oh, much go um, we'll, we'll have to do this again man definitely awesome thanks ted bye-bye all right that was ted from wrestling for sale ted great stuff man great dude hard working love hard working people man you know make your make something of yourself you know, couldn't have been a cooler dude. And uh, definitely some cool insight on, like, what shirts from WWE Shop now we should be buying. I could, I could definitely see those those Bray Wyatt shirts being kind of like a, a, no pun intended, cult-like favorite 10 years from now and people paying hundreds of dollars for them. So I'm going to scoop up some of those in an XL and stash them away, pay for my son's college with them or something. Uh, let's pay some bills and get out of here. Uh, we got some awesome sponsors that I want to know, let you guys know about. Uh, our friends at the Dog Pound Wrestling Toys on Facebook and Dog Pound underscore Wrestling on Instagram. Uh, we are doing a giveaway for an Elite 83 Edge figure. Uh, you can win it. All you have to do is go to um, our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We'll pick one person on next week's show. And we'll send you out a free Elite Edge figure. 
maybe it's the chase maybe it's not who knows uh, and we're going to do this every single week peter from uh the dog pound is uh helping us out here we're doing a nice little partnership and uh, i've bought some vigors from him uh before we even talked about this partnership and uh super fast shipping great prices uh he's got tons of cool stuff so check him out on instagram and facebook he's in our facebook group the the fig cave it is a free group to uh, buy, sell, and trade figures in, talk wrestling, and uh, just general debauchery. It's thefigcave.com. As you can get there, it's a free to join. No need to uh, pay us to be our friends. Uh, our buddy Dion from Stack of Cards. It's Stack of Cards with a Z on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the, the wrestling card, the baseball card craze has gone crazy, and he has... Uh, a nice little stockpile of stuff. He gets new shipments every Friday, I think, up on the website and on, on social media. So check him out, uh, friend of the show there. And uh, I can't forget about Collar and Elbow, CollarandElbowBrand.com. I'm telling you, if you buy buy one buy one shirt, buy the cheapest shirt on clearance. I think they have like shirts for seven or eight dollars. I mean, they they do some great sales all the time. And um, it's the softest shirt. I mean, I, I purposely will wash it and have it on the top of the pile and just wear it when I go out anywhere. It's just like, you know, it's it's a wrestling shirt, but it doesn't look like a wrestling shirt. And uh, you can use code CAVE for 10% off there. Um, highly recommend their shirts. And uh, our friends in the podcast biz, we got to touch on them to call up Kenny Papa Bear. Has some great interviews. He interviewed um, Heath Slater. Josh Alexander, Davy Boy Smith's daughter, uh, recently. Uh, he has some cool stuff coming up. I don't want to spoil, but um, check him out at the Run In podcast. Our buddy Tommy Paradise and DJ uh, do an awesome wrestling podcast. They talk about figures quite a bit, they talk pop culture, movies, sports, all kinds of stuff. I love being on their podcast when I don't uh, fall asleep um, because I'm an old man now. And uh, our buddy Chris from the WrestleGeddon podcast, another great wrestling figure podcast. Check those three out. I highly recommend it. And, of course, Matt and Brian from the wrestling figure, the major wrestling figure podcast, uh, as if they need our plug. But uh, those dudes work hard. Can't wait to see them at Live 8 here in Baltimore. Um, that is about it, folks. Uh, next week we should have a great show. I don't. I have no idea who our guest is going to be, but I didn't know who our guest was going to be last week and we had a pretty damn good one so it always works out take care of yourselves this week buy some shit from ted just have a good week have a chill week hang out with the fam and we'll see you back here next week in the fake cave folks stay classy